Good evening, Graham. I think we're live. Yeah, we are. I see. I got a tweet notification. Yeah, there and we I, go. I got little bars happening, so I think they can hear us too. Look at that. Well, Ouch. we are. I, I love all the tweets I get. You know, it's been whatever days or whatever weeks of the national championship because I, for one, am in still relishing on uh, our, our victory, and um, and I think that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to go. We've done the offensive breakdown so if you haven't checked that show out please do it's uh, on our youtube channel um at dog sports live or dog sports live on youtube and we're going to talk about the defense graham welcome thank you are you still relishing i know you're you've been all over the place looking at the coaching hires and all that sort of stuff but i know your heart is still loving watching the game oh 100 yeah no i definitely uh i feel like it's almost taken till like fairly recently in the last few weeks to, to kind of fully sink in truthfully. Um, I, I think in some way, like I know I was there and I saw it with my own two eyes, but now that we're sort of back in the, the realm of like prepping for next season and talking about spring practice and talking about programs in general, I feel like it's like actually hit to me like, Oh, like Georgia's a national championship program now and sort of how much that's changed. Like the, the discourse around, uh or be smart and georgia football in general and recruiting and all of that stuff so there's there is so i mean like there's no noise around the georgia program that's not mostly positive i mean i mean really the only thing that's been the only shots been taken are the injuries to the alabama wide receivers and it certainly feels better to be on this side of it than than the the excuse deniers as opposed to excuse makers because let's be honest i mean georgia has had their fair share of excuses to be had. And, uh, and that's, that's the game and that's what makes it fun. But uh, largely it's just so positive. And I mean, I know there's a lot of consternation over the quarterback uh, Stetson coming back, but man, come on, dude. It's like, it's his team, dude. This is his team. Yeah. And, if, and I've, 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 I'm excited for him to get a, a chance to, to repeat. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah, you can say that like you wish Georgia had a five-star quarterback under center because, you know, reason x y or z and 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 some of that's valid and like i you know i'm totally willing to have that conversation with people what nobody can say at this point is what everyone spent i think a lot of last fall saying not everyone but a lot of people spent a lot of last fall saying georgia can't win a national title with stetson bennett and you know at this point i said yeah and that's and i mean that, that wasn't a outsider opinion in any way shape or form right like i i think that we're at a point where you know it's just you might not agree with like you might not think he's the most talented guy in the room you might think that georgia with the recruiting the way it is across the board should have uh, a future first round nfl draft pick under center that's all fine well and good they probably will soon um i also think that this you know i think there's more of an openness to this quarterback competition probably than than a lot of people think like i think that if if somebody emerges and plays really well, it wouldn't shock me to see something happen mid-year. Do I expect Stetson to start against Oregon? Yeah, I do, like barring injury or something. But I wouldn't be shocked to see somebody, you know, emerge and start taking some snaps or something halfway through the season or, or in mid-September. So, yeah, we've got, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. We've got all spring to read tea leaves and listen to uh, – pressers and and we've got all spring practice we've got the g-day and we've got the fall camp and all that stuff leading up to it um i will say this on that note pivoting because we're going to talk about the defense um 
Georgia doesn't win that game on Stetson alone, right? No, we can, we of can course agree. not. Yeah, we we can agree on that. That the defense played uh, a championship quality not only game but year. You know, they had uh, a tough game against Alabama in the SEC championship, but every other game they played, they were without any doubt the best defense in the country. Yeah, totally. I mean, with three like just to, to be fully transparent and honest here with like three and a half minutes to go in the third quarter, right before uh, James Cook busted off his big run that kind of changed everything. Like I tweeted from the stands, Georgia might want to think about going to JT Daniels just because nothing was really clicking. And then obviously, you know, we did, we did the offensive plays last episode and, and things clicked when they had to, but um, Georgia's front seven, you know, that's, that was the thing that carried them throughout the year. And and I think, you know, if you want to assign this national title to a, a certain position group, it's, you know, it's the, that defensive line or those linebackers. Yeah. And we talked about all year, you know, we talked about it in the last show. It's like our secondary was inexperienced. It was, it had a lot of uh, high quality players, but it was an inexperienced and that the front seven was going to be the key to Georgia's success and that absolutely played out, you know, um, all year long and, you know, getting after the quarterback, uh, linebackers, you know, keeping plays in front of them and just tackling and covering. It's just, it was a special, very special unit we had. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm with you. And on that note, let's look at it one more time and cherish right. these guys. Before... See if I can remember the buttons here. Oh, <laughs> hey, here we go. Watch this. Let's go back to this play. Uh, this is clip one, first game, first play of the game. Yeah, so I, I felt like Nakobe really sets the tone early here. Um, he just, you know, reads, reacts, hits, comes across that formation and fills fills that gap really well against the, the running back. And, like, Georgia had been so hard hitting all year. And then in that, that game against Alabama, it was the only time where you felt like you saw, like, the majority of the plays, the offensive guy was falling forward or – you know, kind of delivering the blow instead of Georgia beat like Georgia's defenders being the harder hit, harder hitting person in a play. So it just, it felt like coming across right there and reading that. And and honestly, there's a gap there. Like if he doesn't get there, that's a big play right off the bat. And it, it just kind of felt like, okay, this looks like the Georgia defense that, that we recognize again. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's like that, you know, that, that like watching a boxing match, it's like, you got to plan until you get hit in the mouth. And, you know, Nicobe came across there and, you know, it was a, I think it was probably a positive play for Alabama, but yeah, that that's, we're ready to play defense tonight. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I saw it. Um, so yeah, right here, you've got your first third down in the game and Georgia changed up their pre-snap looks dramatically between the two matchups. So they gave a lot of these, like what I call amoeba looks or, you know, what, what other people call amoeba looks where, right before the snap, everyone's standing up like you see right there. And I, and I think it helped Georgia kind of speed up Bryce Young's clock because I think it just confused him even further as to where pressure was going to come from. You see these guys moving. That's really good look that you're giving us there in slow motion. So, like, this is a first down, but you look at how Georgia is up tight on the line. Uh, it's one of those stacks that we saw Alabama kill Georgia with, these, these bunch stack formations. And – this is different. The way that they're defending this is different than they did the first game. So Poole, instead of taking the first wide receiver in the stack, just like he doesn't take that guy despite being 
pressing up hardest and closest to the line. So, again, different than the first game. And you see Georgia's DBs behind him. They all get hands onto their receivers. Kendrick's got hands on his guys. Smith has a hand on his guys. So, it's first down, but more importantly, no free releases. And you see press coverage again. And, like, when we watched the tape from the Alabama game, I felt like all we talked about over and over and over was why isn't Georgia bringing more than four in obvious passing situations and why are they giving these receivers free releases all over? And so very early in the game, you see a a massive difference there, right? Of you've got two blitzing linebackers on third and short. You've got Poole and Smith and Kendrick way up closer to the line getting hands on guys, not letting them get into their routes very easily. So, uh, yeah, kind of an early, I think, harbinger of things to come in terms of how they adjusted to uh, stop. Because that, that, like, I think I don't have the exact number. Probably SEC StatCat could tell us if we if we asked. But an astronomical amount of Alabama's, like, explosive plays and passing yards came off of those bunch formations. And we talked about that on our preview. Like, it felt like – Georgia had nobody had found an answer for those bunch stacks out wide like they were doing, and yeah, it was finally found. I mean, I, I, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but yeah, absolutely. I can remember previewing the SEC championship game, and absolutely, that stack bunch was their number one formation. It was their number one explosive. It was, and it, and we got our butts kicked in it. And uh, I was watching that game throughout the game, and I was like, I kept seeing it. And we, yeah, they even against in this game, they got plays on it, but it wasn't near as damaging as it was for the rest of the SEC and the SEC championship game. All right, we've made it two plays, and we have not talked about ninety nine, but here we go. Here we go. Yeah. So this is the uh, the fumble return touchdown that didn't happen, so to speak. But uh, Jordan Davis, man, my God, ninety nine, right there coming through. Uh, you know, basically rips, rips young, uh, you know, gets in there and wait, this isn't, is this the touchdown play? I don't remember. Actually, I think it is, but yeah, long story short, either way, all this trash had been talked about, like Jordan Davis, you know, the Heisman campaign being, uh, an ill-advised thing and how he wasn't as good as everyone had said he was. And early in the game, setting the tone, coming up, really, like, making an impact play and showing that they're going to be getting pressure from the interior line all night. And I think, again, what do we know about Bryce Young? Like, you can speed up his clock if you hit him a few times, and getting that early kind of disruption like that, I think, was was big for Georgia going forward in this game. Is this, I think this might have been the one, right? No, I think clip five was. So, yeah, right here, like, this is basically uh, perfect defense, right? So, you're going to see Nolan Smith crash off the edge, number four right there. So, if if Young hands that ball off, Nolan has him. This is kind of like a weird RPO screenplay that Alabama is running. And then you're going to see Nakobe scrape around the outside to defend the quarterback run. So, George is basically – taking care of both running threats and then Nakobe's in there so close it affects that throw and makes it weird. And, you know, for the first time in the game, Georgia has gotten Alabama to run an unsuccessful, unsuccessful play on first and 10. Now you've got them in second and 10 where you want to be. And then here you've got, again, another third and short 
This is going to be another first down for Bama, but what we were talking about, Georgia's going to bring five rushers right here on third down. And you also see Nakobe come in as an edge rusher on third down right there. They get the first down, but still just the type of edge solution that we had talked about Georgia needed because we kept seeing broken contain on edges in that first game in Atlanta. And you see that extra rusher. So again, representation, very different game plan than what we saw in the first first matchup between the two. Uh, we've got clip 13. Yep. So look at Davis and uh, Nolan Smith go to work here. Fly outside. You've got Jordan Davis doing, you know, the Superman thing. We now know he runs like a 4'7 at 340 pounds or whatever he is from the combine. And then you see Nolan Smith fight off two blocks right there. Doesn't, you know, quite make the the tackle for the, the loss, but still forces that play to the boundary. This is a really good angle you've got here of him fighting off the tight end, basically just like stiff arming his head into the dirt and then getting there for, for a tackle. So just, I mean, tough, right? Like really tough coming out. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. Clip 16. Perfect. So this was the type of situation Bryce Young killed Georgia in during the first game. You got a blitz here that doesn't get home. And all of a sudden you're in man-to-man -man on the back end. But this time around, nobody is open because William Poole III, our guy, that's right, our guy, we claimed William Poole III, <laughs> out there locking up the tight end from that slot corner position, Billingsley, who we're going to see get loose later in the game. He's not an easy guy to cover. And pass breakup instead of a touch. And then here's that bunch set again. You see Georgia's doing different things and how they cover that and they're not confused by it, and you don't have anybody running free. So, And 19, another William Poole. Another William Poole, yeah. So, wait, this is UGA offense. Ugh, that's not good. Uh, Hang on a second. You're good. All right. I don't know why that's yeah, – I've got clip 19 in there, and that would be the same. That may have but... been my bad. Let's yeah. go to 24. 24. Yeah, here we go. So here is William Poole third again, number 31. Uh, he's following the man in motion and then uh, comes in, wraps up, makes this tackle. Georgia got killed on those little motion screens from Jamison Williams in the first game. And right here you see a tackle for the loss on it, which I think is a, a huge deal. And like just – that was a big part of Bama's offense was like kind of cheap yards off these motion screens all year. And here I, I thought what you saw differently in this game was in Atlanta and SEC championship, Georgia looked lazy pre-snap a lot. Like, you know, these guys would come in motion and Georgia's guys would be kind of jogging and they, they get caught a step behind and all of a sudden uh, it mattered when, when the ball was snapped. And in this game, I thought they did a really good job of treating pre-snap the same as post-snap and not you know not allowing any space to be created by those pre-snap motions and and being able to to arrive on time basically to make tackles or cover guys and we've got some linebacker play here 
Yeah, so speaking of another guy who looked totally different between Atlanta and Indianapolis, Nolan Smith, incredible here. He's going to shoot this gap and meet Brian Robinson in the hole and uh, get his hands on his hips there and, and basically just kind of disrupt this. But, I mean, this was the first game, in my personal opinion. Like, he's done some great things at Georgia, but Nolan Smith looked like a former number one overall recruit in this game. He was so disruptive. He was finding ways to get in the backfield. He was finding little gaps to get in between that really weren't there. Um, I thought he played just a lights-out football game. Here, here we've got seen. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's going to come in and just fly up and make this tackle – on third down and this felt big, right? Cause like Georgia had that shaky first series on offense, Alabama's first series on the offense, they come down, they don't score a touchdown, but they drive the field and they get a field goal and they're controlling possession. And here you've got a third down close to midfield. And again, we see what five or more rushers on a third down situation. So and seen making the right read, the right play, keeping his eyes on the, on the right spot on the field and just balls out, makes that play, which, you know, we've seen him come up out of the backfield and make so many big tackles. Um, and it was nice to, yeah, it, it, this defense was just so exciting to watch and just kept us in the game. I mean, it just allowed that offense. I mean, that's what you want out of a good defense, allow your offense to, uh, to have a chance to win the game. And it, we all know they did. Clip 35 is what I got next. Yep. No, clip 30. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, no, we're good. You already showed it. My bad. Yeah, 35. Okay. Yeah, so can't – again, I don't – I cannot overstate how physical Georgia was early in this game, and they just set the tone. Here you're going to see Quay Walker um, coming in from, from that inside backer spot. What did we talk about all year with Quay Walker? The man fills holes better than anybody in football. In college football, the guy scrapes into gaps better than any college linebacker this season, in my opinion, even better than Tyndall and Nakobe. And right here, just this is another like wallop hit, dude. Like he is coming full speed and absolutely popping the running back. <laughs> Stops him dead. Yeah, totally. All right. What are All we right. Doing? So, yeah. Clip 37, this is the type of hit that makes Bryce Young think about getting the ball out faster. Georgia's um, probably lucky it wasn't a flag. I don't think it was dirty, but it was kind of a high-low situation. Um, and this is exactly what Georgia needed in this game, especially early, right? Like this pre-snap look that Georgia showed, it confused him a little bit. He wasn't sure where the pressure was going to come from. And ultimately it came from somewhere he didn't expect it to come from. And He's in the dirt. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, what we didn't do in the SEC championship game was get pressure on Bryce Young. What we did do in the national championship game was get pressure on Bryce Young. And that absolutely uh, was, if not the biggest key to the game, as everyone, you know, not just us, everyone talked about getting Bryce pressure on Bryce Young. That was certainly one, if the biggest difference and made, made, everything else click and we had to have it absolutely had to have that pressure. Absolutely. And I think too, the other thing I would say is that the, 
I thought Georgia did actually like they got in the backfield more in Atlanta than than it felt like during the game, watching the game, but they never were able to put hits on anybody. Um, you know, they just they, like they would get right to Bryce Young, but they couldn't get him onto the ground even after the ball was out of his hand. And like yeah. you're saying, like early on in this game, he's on the ground a lot. He's he's taking some some big hits and. And and if and if we're being real, he did not have every player he was used to having all year. I mean, we have to be real about that, and that's part of the game. And and uh, but we made it count. And uh, we should probably get through this first half and then kind of wax poetically about it. But uh, clip fifty three is what I've got next, right? Yeah, hold on, sorry. You got a got an issue? My wife set off the smoke alarm. All right. Uh, anyways, all right. So this is a bust by Chris Smith. Uh, action confused him, and those bunch formations, right? Like we just talked about it. This was the only time in the Natty that Georgia got hurt by it. Uh, this was also the only play that Bryce Young made, or I'm sorry, that Jamison Williams made in this game. He gets hurt right here, which sucked, and you knew immediately. But like Chris Smith has just turned the wrong way. I don't know if Smith is fixing someone else's bus or if the bus is on him, it's hard to know uh, without knowing what the call was, but long story short, that play was big and it was a big explosive play by, by Jamison Williams. But like if Georgia had kept busting coverages like this against that butch formation, it wouldn't have mattered who was, who was in the game. Like they, the, they would have had big plays. Alabama would have made explosive plays. And other than this one busted coverage in this game, Georgia had a plan for Jamison Williams and it was executing it pretty much to perfection. And, you know, when he was getting the ball in his hands, he was getting stopped a couple yards behind the line and, and they were doing a really, really good job. So that's kind of my retort to everyone that's like, oh, if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt, they win the game. No, they don't. Like, it's not like this dude was just beating every – like, you know, it's not like he was just better – than everyone on Georgia's secondary and was just beating man coverage all over the field when this injury happened. Uh, is he a phenomenal player? Yeah, absolutely. But I think what Georgia had done schematically was a much bigger deal than I think a lot of people want to realize or maybe have realized. And ultimately that's, that's what won this game for Georgia, not somebody not being there. Uh, here's another one of the bunches on clip 56. Yeah, so third and six. Uh, exactly. Great job by Poole here. Another one of those bunch formations. Um, Poole was all over the place in the third, first half. Dude watched his film. Uh, and basically, you know, you've got some pressure coming in from, uh, from Tyndall here off the edge as well. But the window where Bryce Young expects this guy to come open doesn't happen. It doesn't happen as quickly as as the timing needs to be for that route, and it allows the edge guys to come in there and disrupt it. So, yeah, you're 6-3 here, and uh, Ringo's going to slip in coverage, give up this corner route to Latu. But it's also probably the, like, honestly, it may have been the play of the game. I know he made the interception later, but the fact that he tracks this down 
and keeps this game at nine to three instead of 13 to three. I think that it, if Georgia goes down 10 in this situation, it really changes what they're doing offensively and they may get out of their game plan and just, you know, things might, might get a little started to get a little haywire. Yeah. It, Georgia definitely did not play a perfect game, but and this is the, the one of the best teams in the country and our athletes showed up. I mean, that's, you know, like you said, Ringo tracks him down and, and makes a play. And as we all know, uh, he definitely uh, made another big play, at least one more coming up. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, you know, but here you've still got Alabama first and goal and you got to stop them. Devontae yeah. Wyatt right here does an incredible job, just great athleticism in the interior. Uh, basically just kind of swimming across that formation. Um, you know, he's the left D tackle there. So he's coming back across and is able to make that play. And then this, this was, yeah, I mean, this was kind of, Maybe Alabama should have made that catch. Sometimes you need a break. Georgia hasn't gotten many against Bama over the years. Tyndall's looking into the backfield, and the Kobe basically rushes off his assignment and saves the day, right? Um, and then you've pro- we've probably all seen this clip by now, the next that's, one that's coming up. Yeah, that's, um, that's just a guy looking, he might be getting hit, and he kind of yeah. dropped it. That's, that's – that defense matters even when you don't make the perfect play. Here's yeah, he definitely doesn't drop it if Nicobe Dean's not like bearing down on him, right? So, um, but here, you know, Pendle gets chewed out by Nicobe after that play, and then he's going to come and and make a huge sack. And felt like you know we we saw this clip go around in the days after the game, and it was really representative of what Georgia's defense was in in twenty twenty one, like accountability and enough trust and enough security and, and everyone's own ability to, to be able to chew one another out. And instead of putting your head down and sulking, you go and make a huge sack on third and goal and, and get your team off the field. And that's, it's really rare on any sports team, but it's increasingly rare in portal kind of modern recruiting era where these guys are, you know, they're built up in a big way before they ever step on campus. And it's, it's really hard to deprogram those guys without ruining their confidence or, you know, making them feel like you're an a-hole and driving them off the team. So there's an art to that. And I think that's something that Georgia and Kirby smart have done a really masterful job of kind of walking that fine line. A uh, couple more plays, a few more plays here for the halftime. You got Quay Walker. One of these yeah. guys still making noise this spring. Nobody at Georgia in my lifetime made more grit plays than Quay Walker did in 2021. Um, a lot of his stuff was unsung, but what it, well, same thing I was talking about earlier, scrapes. It fills into the hole over and over and over all year. Here he fills that hole, tackles one of the best running backs in college football. And I think what that all comes down to is like the eyes. He's got the best eyes and recognition skills that I've seen on an inside linebacker and run defense at the college level in a really long time. And he got overshadowed by Nakobe in a lot of ways, but he was just so incredible. I felt like all year um, here, we're going to have our boy Devonte Wyatt again. Um, he's going to get in- engaged initially and then just uses brute strength and athleticism to like rip this blocker off of him and rushes upfield and makes the hit on young. 
Uh, it's unreal, like, movement and athleticism for a defensive tackle. He's right. right the right DT there, number 95. All right, oh. jump down to 80. You want to look at 79 again? That's no, no, fine. Okay. Here's um, so here we go. We got Trevon Walker. This is a rare instance of poor tackling by the Georgia secondary, and this could have been a touchdown if Walker wasn't hustling. And you're going to see him. This is why now he's talking about, you know, Walker's projected to be a top five overall draft pick. Three missed tackles by Georgia, but Trevon Walker comes from all the way across that formation and saves the day. And I don't think anybody else is – if he's not there to make that tackle, like I don't think that anyone else on the field is is catching him for Georgia. So he just comes from a very long way away to – to get there. Um, so we're and keep high- in mind that that's a 280 pound defensive end that ran down a five-star wide receiver from behind. Yeah. You've made all these notes and you, and you've been watching and commenting on these guys all year and we get to the combine and that you can really see sort of what Georgia has been building behind the scenes. If you will, everyone's watched the Georgia defense. Everyone commented on the yards per play allowed and the points per game allowed. And, uh, and yeah, we, we brought home the national championship, but here it is against, you know, a baseline against every other uh, NFL quality player in the NFL. And so many of those guys just balled out and it's sort of, um, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, anticlimactic at this point to go through these notes, but you were on it. You commented about it all year long and, and what you're saying and what you've got down here is, is, further validated by that another weekend for the Georgia Bulldogs defense in Indianapolis. Yeah, for sure. No, it's definitely, it's true, man. Like, you know, we talked about how this was special all year and like different and these guys were freakish. And like, I remember for the Michigan game, there was some Michigan fans that like watched our show and, and kind of jumped into some of our commentary on Twitter. And we're like, you know, this isn't like 19, you know, 60, like, big 10 football like this team speed stuff that you guys are talking about is bs and i remember like a couple of them like midway through the second quarter of of the orange bowl like came back and they were like all right this is different like this this is not normal the team speed that we're seeing here and i think like even within the standards of like sec speed and you know that whole narrative that's been around uh since kind of the 2010s like this was just different it was totally different um Trevon Walker's don't come around very much. Like the dude ran down on kickoff coverage as a freshman at 280 something pounds. Like I'm glad we got to enjoy it. I'm glad that we got to watch them win a national title. I think Georgia's recruited really well. There's a lot of great players that are like coming in the pipeline of the program on defense, but this was different than anything we've ever seen and probably will be. And, you know, if you'll allow me to just say, you know, there was a lot of questions coming out of our strength and conditioning and, you know, some, so many things that, you know, with a lot of injuries to, uh, you know, a lot of offensive players specifically were kind of nicked up for the first, you know, good half, first half of the season. And then certainly, clearly Kirby and the staff know how to get these guys ready to not only play a football game, but also perform at their best uh, at the, at the combine. So I was happy all, I mean, it's just, you're the dog. Uh, so, all right, second half, we're going to kick it off with our man, William Poole, again, who was kind of the dog of the SEC, but now he's a big dog in the second half and this entire game. I've never seen someone improve so much in 37 days. 
than than William Poole did. But yeah, here he's going to do a great job getting his hands on the Billingsley and pressing him at the top of this route, and that creates kind of you know like Young overthrows it, but Billingsley also is never to get, able to get off of this press coverage from William Poole here at the bottom of your screen, and. He does a great job, you know, great job by Christopher Smith securing the catch. But the reason that there's nobody there to contest him for that ball is the job that Poole's doing. So, yeah, here we're going to see, look at Jalen Carter, 88. He's going to jump all the way across his the face of his man and force his way into that hole. Just another, you know kind of yeah like i hate to say it because it's gotten cliche at this point but like you know hashtag built different <laughs> jalen carter you know, yeah doing everything he does i mean like truthfully everyone says even after what we've seen at the combine like he's still the free- most freakish athlete on this entire team yeah he's coming back guys he's coming back yeah i can't wait um so probably the worst tackling we saw on a play from georgia all year was right here uh this Really, I mean, you know, Georgia has them second and long backed up on their own goal line, and this is why Kirby Smart freaks out about this type of stuff, right? Like, this, these missed tackles set Bama onto a long drive after having them backed up on their own end. Beal did a good job right here. Robert Beal did setting this edge and forcing Robinson inside, but Smith over-pursued a little bit down downhill and got caught outside the tackle, and then – you you know I think we've got uh, Lewis here on a missed tackle and Quay as well. And, or no, like, uh, and Chris came, yeah, yeah. And Chris came up and sort of overplayed his role there in that play. Yeah, totally. So a big play in this game actually because you know we're going to see Alabama's about to go down the field. But so here you've got Kendrick. He was such a dog, dude. Like all year, uh, just gritty type of coverage played so well for this team and the knock on him coming in was this kid can't tackle and here he comes up and wallops the guy on the screen and really did this all year we saw him thump guys all season long and here he's going to make a strong play in space yeah and big like you said he, he comes up made a tackle and maybe he was saving himself for the big games but he's got two rings now yeah can't take that away here's quay walker uh with a blitz on a blitz. Yep. Georgia brings the blitz with Quay and there's zone on the back end. And this is a bad call versus a halfback route like this. Just a bad situation. Georgia gets caught, you know, without really uh, anyone in that space where that angle route is going to fill in from Robinson and where Quay probably would have been is basically where that ball gets caught. And you got a first down when you had a third down situation chance to get off the field. And then here to Bama's leaning on Georgia at this point, they've been on a long drive and Robinson's getting five, six yards of pop on early downs and keeping Bama in third and shorts. Georgia's starting to get pushed off the ball a little bit up front. They're looking human. Bama feels destined to go score on, on this drive, take a touchdown, take control of the game and boom, Nolan Smith again, abuses Julio Billingsley. And gets out there and, and makes a play and gets in there and kind of strips this sort of flips the script a little bit, right? Because and, and here comes third and eleven after that first down play. Yeah, and this is 
this is a dime from Bryce, right? Like this is a great throw from Young. Um, but Georgia sold out with pressure on two straight downs after putting Bama in second and 12, and they didn't sit back in zone and wait. And that was the difference, right? And it's a drop, but it's also thrown a little bit earlier than he wants to throw that ball. And it creates a little bit more of an awkward angle. And there's maybe not quite as much trajectory and an arc on it because he's not able to step into that throw. And that contributes to the drop. So again, it's one of those things where (laughs) Georgia, instead of sitting back and, rushing three and doing all of that stuff like they they go after them and they unleash the pressure and they they kind of put the destiny in their own hands and that leads to boom block field goal by Jalen Carter and even in the stadium at that point like it felt like okay wow like how is this game still nine six really at this point um and yeah you know and then right after this James Cook's gonna bust off his 60 something yard run and yeah, having having nose tackles block uh, field goals uh, and critical like games. all the time too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in critical games seems to be a theme of 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 Georgia's uh, successes, uh, both in the the Rose Bowl, the Peach Bowl last year, and uh, yeah, this was huge. Yeah, and I mean it's super like just demoralizing if you're Alabama. Like you just went on an eight minute drive and you come up empty. Like, yeah. And- it was it was it, it was huge. I mean, like it, you just felt like, hey, we've we're taking it's a championship. You know, the, the old cliche of a heavyweight match, and you keep taking body blows, but you keep coming out of your corner and fighting, and that's just huge. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so now, you know, Georgia's up thirteen nine. Alabama's gotten the ball back and come down into UGA's end a little bit, and uh, they're going to bring this blitz from the slot corner. Pool's going to blitz right here, thirty one. And that leaves Smith, Chris Smith, one-on-one with a Jai Hall, and he just doesn't come down quite enough and, and press that coverage. And that circle route to the pylon is a tough ask when your corner blitz doesn't get home and the guy that's, you know, kind of playing more more on the hash instead of off to the edge is trying to cover a circle route. It's just – it's the right – it's the right call for Bama versus the wrong defense for Georgia. And they've got first and goal again. Um, I, hope, I hope this is the right play. This is one we had. Yeah, this is Ringo in the end zone. Yeah, this is really good coverage by Ringo right here. Really, really good coverage of not giving up inside leverage and, you know, sticking with uh, 84 and, and getting that hand in there to break up that pass. It's pretty textbook, but – I kind of forgotten about that play until I rewatched it because uh, I didn't have a good view of it in the stadium and it was a phenomenal job by him. Really interesting defense right here that George is playing with the, the, you know, two down kind of two standing up and then everyone basically bunched within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, and good job by Quay Walker here. Good job with the pre-snap looks. And this blitz from Walker is basically what, you know, uh, keeps this from from being a touchdown on third and goal. Yeah, is that the same play here? I've got one. Uh, no, I think this is right. I think yeah. this is right. Yeah, one thirty nine. That was second down, I guess. No, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, Quay gets there, and it's just a bad throw. And again, it's another bad throw that's created by pressure. And this is where Bryce Young, you know, starts pounding grass and all that, and um, 
felt like Georgia's really in their heads at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's another huge stand. Another, I mean, this is, you know, we remember a lot of the offensive plays from Stetson made late in the game, but none of those plays mean anything if, if this defense doesn't ball out. I've got a dog showing out, so forgive me if you hear my little French bulldog uh, getting fired up about watching Dog Sports Live tonight. <laughs> All right, uh, 147. Uh, is yeah, I'm so this, this is right after the Stetson fumble. Um, this was really close upon rewatch of turning into a pick six the other way. Uh, if that ball is thrown a little bit better by Bryce or, you know, kind of thrown a little bit more to the inside. Um, cause, cause Lewis gets it, you know, seems seems able to come in there and kind of disrupt it and get a hand on it a little bit and tip that up. And at that point, who knows who runs under it, but obviously it wasn't. And um, they finally get this touchdown on what was maybe offensive pass interference. Latu basically slammed Chris Smith down in the end zone, but it was also within just a few yards of the line of scrimmage, which usually those things are kind of allowed to happen. So hard to say, Um, but yeah. I think there's another angle on here. Yeah. Yeah. You get to see a really good, view of the the throw down there um and that's the kind of play you want your your tight end to make though for being real for sure yeah and so here you know uh this is the two-point conversion and georgia's in that three-man front again and this three-man front turns into uh really good blitz and good pressure and nolan 18 18 and uh georgia you know needs to get back off the field it's a one-point game, and this defensive line takes over, right? Wyatt and Davis, how many times did we say that this year? When it mattered, they made themselves large. Um, and, you know, right here, first and 10, Alabama's trying to run the ball, and two, three-yard loss, really big in terms of situational play calling for, for both sides. Um, yeah, is this 162? Yeah, so yeah. Kendrick, again, doing his thing downfield. But the other big moment here is Dean – going up top one-on-one with Brian Robinson out of the backfield and locking him down. Robinson comes in motion, kind of the James Cook play that Georgia runs, uh, ran with Todd Monken a lot. And uh, we don't have the full wide angle here, but but the ball doesn't – well, we do. We see that he's not open, basically. Um, so and, – and Kendrick has good coverage as well. Just there wasn't – there wasn't spots for – Bryce Young to just throw balls into like there had been in Atlanta. It's 163. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the play of the game, right? I mean, I, I know we've said that a lot, but bunch set again, third down long. William Poole comes in textbook coverage. Couldn't be played better. Like just an incredible job by him. You see the angle here does not give up the inside when uh, Bolden tries to come back around, doesn't commit pass interference, puts the arm in there and breaks it up. You could not strip that any better. It's textbook. Yeah, just beautiful play. No, I mean, just, yeah, like you said, I mean, he was it, he was so dogged after the SEC championship game and just, um, just came back and was just an integral part of this defense for, for on January 11th for us. Yeah, 100%.
Um, and then here we've got uh, Poole getting off a tight end block, cracking the ball for Carrier. Uh, you know, we're, we're at 26-18 here. And good job by Poole basically driving upfield on the outside shoulder a lot too. And Dean's coming from that inside pursuit angle and, and creates a a really nice job of uh, making the tackle. Here we've got third down, and the Kobe gets caught giving away the inside leverage on this pass. Um, another one of these little kind of uh, circle route or angle routes to, to Brian Robinson, um, and the Kobe got outside a little bit too far there. Here you go. Uh, so, yeah, Jalen Carter – is not tired at this stage of the ball game. Um, like just you would think with everything going on and, you know, the concern of protecting the pass and trying to pass rush Georgia may get caught, you know, kind of weak in some gap assignments here. And that's not the case. Alabama is not able to, to run the ball in this situation. I think that's, that's a big reason why what's about to happen happens. Uh, great play by Bryce Young here. Oh, wait, is this – I'm looking for 181. 181? Uh, I don't have 181. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. It's 183. Um, yeah, so, again, Kendrick's going to be downfield. Fantastic job by him and Christopher Smith. Just really nice work. And then um, – Yeah, we again. missed 181 to drive the ball down the field. But, yeah, this is the uh, the culmination of – everything we've been waiting for for 41 years no this is 184 and 185 yeah but i'm just saying like this spot in the field area oh yeah so again but you know they keep testing kendrick down this boundary late and he just never lets up they test him twice in a row downfield with Corey brooks the guy that caught the pass against auburn to get the game into overtime basically in the exact same you know on the same deal right edge and uh Kendrick's there both times no space and then you got third down oh, here's another angle on the on that play there yeah and 186 Ugh. and you guys all know what's about to happen next well let's just sit back let me just full frame this thing right here <laughs> I just can't get enough of it. Um, all right. So, so the downfield blocking is absurd here by Georgia for the record. Like, yeah, they, Tindall they... and Smith and Dan Jackson takes like, you know, a massive headshot, but like everybody, everybody's in the right spot doing the right thing. I'm usually pretty good about like, okay, we, you know, go out of bounds, take a knee. I, I was not there. It's like, I mean, I was not even thinking, okay, we run the clock out, you know, at all. You know, it's like we don't give the ball back. And I was excel I was celebrating. Had you even con were you thinking of like, oh, he needs to go out of bounds or he needs to take a knee, or were you just, you know, like it was just kind of like, oh, I hope he doesn't like I was kind of just thinking like he needs to not fumble the ball, like he needs to get down. And I kept thinking like because I was sitting kind of in the corner looking down on the play and I was on the same sideline that he catches the ball on. And so 
from my angle, there was like a couple Alabama guys that looked like we're about to tackle him. And I kept being like, Oh, he's about to get tackled and go down. And, but it's okay. Like, you know, Georgia's going to be a, a first down away from winning this game basically, or there's not gonna be enough time left for Alabama to do anything, but he just kept running and running and running. And I'm in that end zone. And all of a sudden, like, I think it was the moment where, uh, he, he kind of passes the spot where Tyndall and, and Chris Smith are making their blocks and like you realize he's about to score and everybody went, you know, batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> and you know, you've seen this. I mean, if you play fantasy football, you've seen the either the running back or the guy's about to go in the end zone and, you know, the right football players take a knee or you've seen it in, you know, any kind of games. But uh, uh, this is the I think only that way. was the right football play though because Bama had three timeouts. So like, if he goes down and Georgia runs the ball up the middle three times and gets tackled, then they have to punt on their out of their own end. And, you know, and God well, knows it's Alabama. Like, so if I guess I guess can happen, it will. I guess, I guess if you could rewind it, the play is to run out the one yard line. You know what I mean? It's like, but who, who freaking cares? Maybe. Uh, yeah. I guess, I guess that, that could be. All right. We got 191 here. Uh, yeah. Uh, so in the end, right. Like, this is kind of symbolic of the difference between this game and, and the first between these two teams in the end, Georgia's defensive line found the pressure on Bryce young that it couldn't produce in Atlanta. And they did, they won this game the way they had won every other game that they, they played all year. The return of Beal in 2022 is a big deal, by the way, that not enough people are talking about. Um, I thought he was great in this game. And I thought from the moment when Adam Anderson got suspended to, to the Alabama game, which was basically, you know, the last, uh, you know, November and December, his ability to set the edge and just kind of be in the right places at the right time and getting to, to run gaps the right way, vastly improved. Um, Let's see if I can do this. This is the last page of, of, Graham's notes here. One ninety three is over a little here. off. Yeah, there you go. Good night. Bad word. Here. <laughs> yep. Well, here you go. Um, yeah, and at this point, like it was just kind of pure delirium, and everybody was like trying to figure out if this was real. And there you go. It was Nolan Smith. It felt so good. Still feels it did, good. yeah. I still like it. Still doesn't. I don't know. For me, it still hasn't fully like sunk in, but uh, it will. All right, At some we, point, I think we made it through. The dogs attacked dog sports live, but uh, we we made it through. Graham, you uh, you've gone through every single play of this game. You've gone through every single play of the 2021 season, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to the 2022 season. With yeah. more breakdowns, we're going to get into it. But first off, thanks. Uh, I, every time I sit down and do this with you, I learn something more. Uh, and I'm sure we get uh, we get off feedback from people feel the same way. So bravo, my friend. Go dogs. Not yeah, new, thanks. Not in no, the show. Um, absolutely no. I, I think like just there's going to be 2022 coming up, and and you know all of the it's going to be fun, right? Like I'm excited to do G day together and spring practice and fall practice and position previews and all the stuff that we do here. Uh, but I think it's going to be even more enjoyable without kind of that, like 
that pressure, right, for Georgia fans of, you know, if Georgia goes 11 and one next year, it'll be a great season and it's fine. Like, but you know, it's, it's just, there was that big monkey on the back for so long where it felt like, uh, like anything less than all the way isn't good enough. And I'm going to have to hear, you know, the crap from the Florida fan that works at my office or the Alabama guy or whatever in the 1980. And you don't have to hear any of that anymore. Yeah. So enjoy it and realize that, uh, whatever comes next will be fun and exciting. But I also think like you just, you don't see 41 year droughts in in major college football very often. Right. Cause the blue bloods are the blue bloods and, and they win every, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever. So I, I think it was just, it's, it's special, man. And, and it'll continue to be special. And I think it'll be even more special as time passes. And um, yeah, I'm, glad, it, I'm really glad. Last thing I'll say, I'm really glad that you and I like that this that you and I got to do this together this year with how this ended, because uh, we really got to fully immerse ourselves in everything that happened this season. And I think because of that, like, I'll remember it way better than I would have otherwise. And it'll, you know, it was just special that we got to, to cover this the way that we did. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And it was kind of a fun year because so many special players on the field and, you know, also, you know, everyone that follows me on Twitter, watches the show knows I'd kind of dig into the stats and, and, you know, it's easy to look at yards per play offensively and touchdowns and scores, but it's like this defense, we were able to sort of kind of look at how dominant this defense was and, and you can, you know, it's just more than tackles for loss or tackles or pressures. It's success rate. And, you know, EPA, some of the stuff and you could, we were tracking this defense and, all year long and how special it was. And it's just like, it hasn't really let us down since, you know, like obviously the SEC championship game, which, you know, we, I keep asterisking everything I say about it, but it's like this defense is special. It was special all year. Um, anyone that's on that followed the, that side of the, of the stats of it was not just me. It was, everyone was talking about how special it was. And then the defense is probably going to have at least four guys, maybe as many as four guys drafted in the first round. So yeah, it was a special year and it was nice to not only have a great year with great players, but to win it all. And it just feels great. Still feels great. Hasn't not felt great. I look forward to waking up tomorrow, looking at my Twitter feed and seeing somebody else post another play from the game and just getting all fired up again, talking about spring. Uh, you know, we're reloading uh, and rebuilding. But there's a lot of like you talked about Robert Beal, Christopher Smith back, Nolan yeah. Smith. I mean, there's a lot of Ringo, yeah. Ringo. There's there's guys coming back. You know, we we missed out on Tyke, who transferred in last year, who's going to be a, a veteran stud player that can produce for us. Um, you know, we've got a stable of running backs to replace you know some leaders that are leaving us. But you know, and of course, we've got a hell of a leader under center. Uh, what are you? Uh, what have you heard? I know we haven't dug too much in the spring stuff, but what are what have you heard out of practice in a few days this week that it started on Monday? Yeah, I think you know the the defense appears to be ahead of where the offense is right now, um, which is kind of funny because the offense was ahead of the defense last year, and the defense ended up being the the far better unit, right? So I don't know. There's much to read into that, but um, and we got some guys out. I think Bowers in Washington are not. Yeah. I think they're getting to look at a lot of these young guys and, and I think that's exciting. Um, I did Del am interested to see what's did, up. Did Delp early enroll or is he coming in? Yeah, he's, he's been he's playing. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and Gilbert's playing tight end as well. Delp is, you know, I think both of them are the type that can flex out and play wide receiver. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they use those weapons. Sounds like their wide receiver group is a little bit uh, kind of, you know, behind maybe where where they were last year. You know, no Pickens, no Burton. Um, you've got Bowers hurt. Like there's, there's a lot of guys that are not – there right now um so that's going to be interesting to just kind of see who develops and who emerges in that crew and well Georgia goes to the transfer portal this offseason or not but we're um, gonna we're gonna do another g-day show preview and uh recap but i just remember you know recapping that game and you know it was ad mitchell catching a big play and he balled out in the g-day game and of course the brock bowers mentioned that um that jeremy from dogsports.com mentioned so Stay tuned because these guys that come out and you know play in the spring and especially you know they were huge contributors. I mean, both you know Eddie Mitchell, the catch of of yeah, so yeah, 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 exactly. So we may not know who these guys are now, but let's let's watch. And um, there's no guarantees. I mean, obviously, there's been many of G Day studs that don't do anything, but um, you know, Georgia's got a lot of. Yeah, <laughs> Georgia's got a lot of players that are going to get a chance to play. I'm looking forward to getting into it uh, and looking about where, you know, we, you know, we talk about stats a lot, you know, there's returning production, you know, we, and there's some things you can and learn from returning production, but also, yeah, Alabama was depleted last year having, but they're still right there. It doesn't mean just because you don't have a lot of returning production doesn't mean you're going to be good. Uh, it's there's a lot of factors to it. We're going to look at that. We're also going to look at um, you know other teams that, that uh, national and and in the SEC and nationally, uh, what to expect. We're going to dig as much into it as we can. Georgia's got a new yeah. basketball. Georgia's got a, a two, well two new basketball coaches. Um, well, we don't know who the women's one is yet. But oh, okay, uh, they they didn't. Uh, okay, I thought it was going to be our the, the the coach from Ole Miss. So apparently she decided to stay. Yeah, like last minute. So. Be well, interesting to see how that shakes out. Mike White, you've uh, you've done a lot talking about Mike White, and I think uh, it's a good hire. Uh, you know, he's is is he La Tech to Florida and now to Georgia, and I think uh, it's definitely an upgrade. Do you have anything that you want to discuss? It's been um, about Mike White. Calm me down to tell me everything's gonna be okay. I mean, I think. I think that hire happened so quickly that it was understandable for some people like to just kind of be like, Whoa, what is this? You know, or I think some people maybe felt like did Georgia overplay their hand in some way uh, by not waiting until some of these coaches were out of the NCAA tournament or, you know, I think there was a lot of different reactions and it definitely caught me off guard. Right. Like no one was talking about Mike white. Um, But I think, which makes sense. You, I mean, he was currently coaching a team, you know. So it's of not, course, yeah. Yeah, totally. you can speculate on assistant coaches that have ties to Georgia, and you know, uh, mid majors that are going to be clearly offered lots of jobs. You can't really talk about uh, a coach that's coaching in your league, um, yeah. poten- potentially getting a bid to the tournament as well. I mean, my thing is like the market ultimately dictates whether or not somebody made a good hire, right? Um, and when you look at the market, like Georgia. Florida, LSU, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Missouri all hired college basketball coaches this offseason. And Georgia's the only one of those programs that hired a guy that has had success at the Power Five level and, you know, went to 
five straight NCAA tournaments at the Power Five level. Is uh, there things that, you know, he did at Florida that people feel like he will need to do better? Yeah, absolutely. But I do think, like, for Georgia being last in the pecking order of prestige, probably among those college basketball programs, at least in terms of recent results, being able to go and get a guy that, that is a proven commodity, I think is a big deal. Yeah, I think the only the only program that could have really beaten Georgia to a coach that they wanted would have been LSU. I, um, so that said, I think uh, the I think Florida could have if they like if we had known that Florida was going to be hiring like if Georgia didn't hire their coach away if both were in the market at the same time. I yeah. Think. Oh, for sure. But you know, uh, coaches we knew. I was what I was going to say was is like uh, so I think that said Georgia got their guy. Uh, it wasn't, yeah. it, and it wasn't like we, it wasn't like when we hired Tom Green, we settled, um, you know, because we got beat out by the coach's name that escapes me at this point, but Tom Green. That motto, yeah. Yeah, that motto. Uh, that was a little bit of a settling. Um, there weren't, um, you know, coaches hired from Virginia um, and Wake Forest that were, people were talking about coming into the SEC. Uh, it was, you know, a lot of mid-majors, coach from San Francisco, coach from Murray State. Uh, but we, like you said, we've got the power five coach that has NCAA wins and an elite eight, um, you know, elite eight uh, performance a few years ago. And I believe he was coach of the year in the SEC that year. So um, it's hard to argue um, my I will say that, you know, I was pretty uh, negative about the hire and I'm not negative against Mike White um, at all. I think he's a good coach. I think he's going to be a, a, not just a little bit of an upgrade, but a substantial upgrade. I think he's going to make a program that we're all going to be proud of and we want to cheer on. Uh, I guess I was just, like you said, it was a rushed hire and um, it just, it felt a little bit of, of sort of a click happening of not really thinking outside of the box. Uh, and, you know, who knows what goes on behind the scenes. So I'm certainly uh, excited, much more excited about Georgia basketball than I've been in the last few years. And, um, you know, and the it's such a different, uh, you know, game, if you will, in terms of who you can bring in and how quickly you can turn around a program. And I think Georgia is expecting – Georgia fans are expecting a much better product and, uh, and a lot better results. Um, yeah, I mean, Iowa State won two games last year, and now they're in the Sweet 16, right? So it's like you can turn it around quick with the portal and all of that stuff, you know, that you're alluding to. Um, yeah, I mean, it is like – I know what you mean in terms of sort of the out of box thing. Cause it's like, Oh, well, you know, you want the, the cool up and coming young name, or I think that there was a lot of people that would have liked to see Georgia maybe hire an African-American head coach or just, just lots of different scenarios. But I will say like, I never once considered that Georgia might try to hire Florida's head coach. So I, you know, like it, it felt very out of the box in that sense of like, well, it's an original idea, you know, like I, I haven't, we haven't seen those two programs trade coaches, I think, in almost any sport ever in the past. Uh, it was definitely different and and not somebody that was kind of a, a hot name in the media. But ultimately, like, I think, you know, the, the reality is that all coaching hires are probably a C-plus grade. And then we know if they're, you know, which way they trend after a year or two, right? Like – there's been so many hires made in college basketball and college football the last couple of years that I thought were great that ended up terrible or that I thought were, were bad and ended up well that I think 
we got to wait and see the results. But I am confident that Georgia will win more than six basketball games next year. Yeah, take the over. <laughs> Hammer the over. Hammer the over. No, but I, I guess the last thing I'll say is that Georgia was going – it was, as we've talked about um, a lot of times, is like it was d- taken to the ground level in terms of what we had. So it was – it's a complete – rebuild and maybe that's not the kind of job you want to hire to a first-time assistant coach that's coming home to his alma mater as much as that would have certainly in my my twitter sphere certainly jonas was uh the 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 fan favorite there um you know mike white came up from louisiana tech and was successful there followed billy Billy donovan at florida and knows what it's like to you know kind of follow a legend which is not facing here so i mean he's been around the block and knows what it takes to make a, a good basketball program. So it's probably, a, I don't want to say a safe hire because that seems like it has negative connotations, but it's definitely a, a quality hire. And and I want to be on record as saying I am supportive of, of, of Mike White and excited for Georgia basketball next year, as I am always excited for Georgia basketball. Anything else, Graham, we want to talk about before we let these people go uh, tonight? Um, no, I think we're good. We yeah. got these guys on sale. Oh, FTM. yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that. FTMF hats at dogstats.com and uh, stickers and stuff. Some of got sued by the game. No, hey, shout out to the game. They were nice people once they told me to stop selling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, and we are uh, we're going to be doing some more stuff in the spring. And uh, we thank you guys for all the interaction, the feedback, the sharing, the support, the comments um we um we've gotten every time we do one of these we get amazing comments and we appreciate it because it's a lot of fun we we do this 100 yeah. percent for fun and and having you guys enjoy it means a lot 100 percent. no i'm with you man and uh i definitely uh am excited for what we've got kind of coming down the pipe and we you know we'll have some fun news to share here in the coming week or two uh but all you need to know is we're not going anywhere and we hope to see more of you coming forward. All right. Let me push a button and say, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>